Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're Identical, Identical Twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now, each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite, or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're Identical, identical twins. twins. Oh, it's so awesome to be back sharing another awesome hymn with you. Yes, we're really excited about this one. Yeah. We wanted a hymn that would just be a great reminder that... You know, this is our temporary home. Mm -hmm. America is our temporary home. Our government structure is temporary mm -hmm. because all of this earth, all of this world belongs to the king of creation, our father. Who art in heaven. <laughs> I mean, I think you just gave the hymn away. <laughs> Did you mean to do that? Really, did I? I think so. Well, you know, we really want to get to your requests. So <laughs> yes. if you have a request, please email us. Put it on our social media. Hey, use our hashtag. Him talk, twin talk. <laughs> so actually, this hymn is a favorite of one of our good friends. Yes. And no, she didn't like specifically requested. No, Every no. time I think about it, I do think of Debbie because she loves it. She says that it reminds her of her childhood. Yeah. So maybe some of you have hymns that remind you of your childhood. We'd be happy to, to feature yeah. one of them on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. You know, there are so many hymns. You know, every once in a while my husband will say, I mean, can you really do this for that long? Like, Hundreds oh my gosh, of so hymns. many. And if you go back and you look at like older hymnals, hymns right. that really aren't sung anymore, like you could, eat, there's just, to me, it seems like an endless supply. Right. And we haven't even touched a hymn that we don't know. Right. I mean, there's, we could, we'll do that. We'll do a right. hymn that we've never heard right. of. So, anyway, anyway, what we're saying is that there are just so many. It's hard for us to choose each week. Right. We would love to know that we were doing one of your favorites right. and one of your suggestions. Right. So, use our hashtag and let us know. Awesome. So, today we're doing Debbie's favorites or one of Debbie's favorites, mm -hmm. I should say. And as Carrie has said, mm -hmm. it is something that reminds us that God is sovereign over all, mm -hmm. through all. And we are living in his world. That's right. Not ours. Are you ready to hear today's hymn? You probably have guessed it. I but know. Today's hymn is This, this is, is My Father's World. world. There it is. Oh, so good. We know Debbie knows this hymn, and of course we know the hymn, but why don't we just read the words for you and play the tune? Mm, yes. And, and you can see how familiar it is to you. Oh, the tune is so pretty. Mm -hmm. So I'll just play it on the piano. Kelly, would you read all the verses? Yes. This is my father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings, and round me rings the music of the spheres. This is my father's world. I rest me in the thought of rocks and trees, of skies and seas, his hand the wonders wrought. This is my father's world. The birds their carols raise. The morning light, the lily white, declare their maker's praise. This is my father's world. He shines in all that's fair. In the rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. 
This is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems oft so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied and earth and heaven be one. So these words were written by a Presbyterian minister named Maltby Davenport Babcock. And again, this reminds me of Adoniram Judson Gordon. <laughs> you look into your beautiful baby boy's face and you say, I'm going to call him Maltby. And we're actually like <laughs> not 100% sure how to say it. Is it I mean, is Maltby? 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 Maltby. We're saying Maltby. And if you need to correct us, you can let us know. Well, wait a minute. If there is someone out there named <laughs> Maltby, will you please talk to us? Yes. Will you please find us? We want to we wanna get to know you. <laughs> okay, so Maltby Babcock is an amazing man, Carrie. I know. We have learned so much about him. So one of the things is, is that... He didn't write a ton of hymns, mm -hmm. more than a handful, I would say. He wrote 22 hymn texts. He wrote 29 hymn tunes. Mm -hmm. And he even was part of editing a hymnal that was called Hymns and Carols. So he didn't do a ton of musical things when mm -hmm. we compare him to, you know, say, Fanny Crosby. Oh, of course. But he did so much in terms of leading his church. Um, but going back to This Is My Father's World, that was a poem that he wrote, a poem actually had 16 stanzas. We ended up finding it in its original form. And really, we would love to share these stanzas with yes. you. So we'll oh, post them yes. to social media. The words are really beautiful. But mm -hmm. every hymnal editor, you know, obviously chooses the verses. But then when it was set to music by Franklin Shepard, his friend, he chose the three right. stanzas. And right. when we say stanzas, it is a little confusing. Right. Because the verses actually are two of his stanzas. Right. They incorporate two stanzas. Right. So I mean, we have three verses, which are two stanzas each. each. So six of the 16 stanzas are being used in this hymn. Right. And so you have to, like, look at the other 10. Right. And we did. We and did. And we loved we them. We did. So we, we thought just for fun, we would share with you our favorites mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, from the stanzas that were not included in this right. hymn now. Right, so, right. Kelly, which one did you pick All as right. your favorite? We thought maybe we'd have a twin moment and we'd pick, like, the same stanza, stanza as yeah. our favorite. But we didn't. We, we didn't. have different ones. All right. So here's mine, Kelly's favorite stanza from the original poem, This Is My Father's World. This is my father's world. I walk a desert lone. In a bush ablaze to my wondering gaze, God makes his glory known. In a bush ablaze. Yes. We know that story. We do know that story. What does the Bible <laughs> say? So you yeah. picked this one as your favorite. I Is did. it because of that Bible reference? Yeah, it's just so specific. You can't pretend that that might mean something else. Right. You know, we know that the Israelites wandered in the desert. We know that Moses was called to lead them. And of course, we know that that famous story of when he mm -hmm. encounters God in the fiery bush. It's in Exodus 3. God says to him, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. 
And Moses questions him. Why should I be the one to bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Um, And God says, I will be with you. I love that part. I know. And think about him writing the words, God makes his glory known Mm. to my wondering gaze. I imagine that that he must have seen things, right? Babcock saw things that must have revealed God to him in in his own way, Mm -hmm. where he lived, his hometown. Um, Yeah, God makes his glory known. All we have to do is look for it. Yeah. All right, well, I actually had a hard time picking. I know, I did too. I did too. (laughs) But I picked the last one. Okay. Mm -hmm. He ended all of the 16 with this. This is my father's world. Should my heart be ever sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. Oh, that's so pretty. And and I mean, what what do you think is the Bible inspiration for that? What does the Bible say? Well, I mean, there's so much. Let the earth be glad. The Lord is king. I mean, how many times could we find something in the Bible Mm -hmm. that references the kingship of God? But I love the verse, Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults and with my song I give thanks to him. Mm. And, you know, he asks the question, should my heart be ever sad? Yeah. And I feel like our hearts do get sad, mm-hmm. and and that's totally normal. But reminding ourselves that we have this king, we right. have this heavenly father right. who created us and everything in this world, mm-hmm. um, hopefully that's what brings us hope and, yeah. and gives us that joy. And then I love that in the psalm it, rem- it reminds us that we give a song of thanks yeah, and th- praise. That's exactly yeah. what Babcock was doing. Right. He was writing this. Let's get a little more information on this Maltby Davenport Babcock. <laughs> Okay, so he was born on August 3rd, 1858 in Syracuse, New York. Hmm. And then he married his wife, Catherine Elliot Tallman, on October 4th, 1882. Well, that's a special date. That is a special date. That is our parents' wedding anniversary. That's right. October 4th. Maltby and Catherine have the same wedding anniversary as our mom and dad. Right, right. And... My youngest daughter was That's born right. on that day as well. So October 4th is a special day for I our know. family. Every time we hear that October 4th, don't we say, good buddy? Yeah, 10-4, good buddy. 10-4. <laughs> and now we're going to think of Maltby. And his wife, Catherine. Yeah. So unfortunately, um, Maltby died young, Carrie. He died May 18th, 1901. He was only 42 years old. Right. So... He graduated from Syracuse University. Right. He graduated from Auburn Theological Seminary. He was a Presbyterian minister. Mm-hmm. And the first church that he served was First Presbyterian in Lockport, New York. Right. This First Presbyterian Church, it's still there. It's on Church Street in Lockport. And this is a recent graduate from seminary. It was his first right. job. And he was the pastor there from 1885 to 1889. Now, mm-hmm. I did a lot of research into Lockport. Okay. I kind of want to go there. You do? Yeah. Well, the church is really pretty. They have beautiful stained glass windows. Aww. I would love to go there. They actually have um, a handbell choir. Their music sounds really good. Their services are being held on Zoom right now. I mean, is it near the city? Where is it in New York? So, so Lockport is about 18 miles from Niagara Falls. Oh. And the cool thing about Lockport is that the Erie Canal passes through the center of the city. 
Wow. I know. So you actually can go and see it. Now... And it's not far from Niagara Falls. It just must be surrounded by water. Right. So if you're going to Lockport, let me just tell you what you can do. Okay. You can go um, to the Niagara County Historical Society. You can visit the Lockport Cave and Underground Boat Ride. Ooh. You can go to the Lockport Erie Canal Museum. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you can see the Erie Canal. So it's connected to the Niagara River. Um, It's, of course, the man-made canal, which, I mean, I love that song. I know. I was thinking of the song in my the head. Song. How does How it go? go? <laughs> I got a mule. Her name is Sal. Fifteen mm-hmm. miles on the Erie Canal. I don't know the words, so I mean, Carrie it's knows so them cute. more. It's cute. It's a really cute song. It's in a minor key, right. but it has such a fun, peppy feel mm-hmm. to it. So while in Lockport, while he was pastoring this church, he would go for walks. And he was known for saying to his wife when he would leave the house, I'm going for my walk. I'm going to see my father's world. He would go for these walks on the Niagara Escarpment. (laughs) What's that? Escarpment, Carrie? Do you know that word? I'm not sure I know that word. Do you think our listeners know it? Well, I have never heard that word. Escarpment. I've never heard that word before. I asked everybody in my family what they thought an escarpment was. They all had ideas. Okay. But the Niagara Escarpment... Um, is in the United States and Canada. It runs east-west from New York through Ontario, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Illinois. The escarpment... What's that? (laughs) ...is a long, steep slope, especially one at the edge of a plateau or separating areas of land at different heights. So that's the official definition. But yeah, he would go for these walks. I imagine he is seeing just this beautiful Mm. landscape, right? right? Right. The hills, the waters. I mean, look at the end of verse 1 in his song of rocks and trees, Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. skies and seas. So I would say that those walks definitely inspired this hymn. And what do we call that here on Him Talk Twin Talk? That's the hymn inspiration. Yeah, he had to have been inspired by those walks. Absolutely. He would say, I'm going out to see mm. my father's world. Mm. So while he was there, he was a minister at First Presbyterian yeah. Church. So he served this small church in Lockport, New York. And it was there that I found this quote about him. They mm. said that he was an unusually brilliant intellect. Oh. And he had stirring oratorical powers that commanded admiration that won for him a foremost place among the favorites of his denomination. Wow. So in this Presbyterian denomination, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he was like one of the best. I mean, they really respected and admired him. So he wasn't there for long. No. It was three, four years. Mm-hmm. And then he got the call to go pastor another church. And it was a big move for him. I mean, up to this point, he has lived in this area of upstate New York, right? Mm -hmm. And now he's leaving New York and traveling all the way to Brown Memorial Presbyterian Church in Baltimore, Maryland. And here at this church, Carrie, he made quite an impression. And this was a very prestigious church at the time. And I think it kind of still is. Okay. It's big. It has a really good reputation. And while he was there, he did a lot of great work. Yeah. I was reading that he started a ministry to the to the students at John Hopkins University. Yeah. And they just loved working with him. He was described as being energetic and passionate. Yep. And people wanted to hear him. They were drawn to him. Mm-hmm. And while he was there, he did a lot of good work. This church in Maryland seems awesome. Okay, tell okay, us so about you, it. Okay, so you want to go to see the church in Lockport. I kind of do. I want to see this church in Baltimore. All right, tell us about it. Um, It's still there today. I mean, we were in Baltimore. I mean, it was, 
I don't know, maybe like nine years ago, mm-hmm. eight years ago, we saw an Orioles game. Yep. We really loved the city. Remember we took the water taxis? Yes, yes. I loved, I thought Baltimore was so pretty. I wish we went to this church when we were there. Mm-hmm. I know. I, I do want to go. So there's a lot of interesting things about this church. So the first thing that's interesting is that it has the largest collection of Tiffany stained glass windows outside of a museum. Wow. I know. Is that a fun fact? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it just seems beautiful. It has these huge stained glass windows. Mm-hmm. I actually will post some of the pictures on social yeah. media that we could yeah, find. Yeah, people need to see this. Yeah. And so in 2002, so this is, of course, well after Maltby, right. um, they had a $1.8 million restoration and renovation. Oh, okay. They all were um, re-leaded, and they were brought to the original luster. And there is a stained glass that is dedicated to Maltby Babcock. Oh, perfect. And it's written right there. The stained glass is called the Holy City. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is it's St. John's vision on the Isle of Patmos of the New Jerusalem uh-huh. that was described in Revelation 21. And it's just, it's beautiful. It's it's one of the two largest windows in the church. It's one of the two largest windows ever made by Tiffany Studios. Wow. It's a 58-panel stained glass. So it's huge. Right. And, of course, it was honoring um, Maltby Babcock. Awesome. Which I think is so interesting. Now, the church itself is something that you, sh- you would want to visit because okay. it's architecturally beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was actually designed by a noted architect at the time named Ralph Adams Cram. Okay. I mean, and it said he was a famous architect of Ralph his day. Cram. Yeah. Ralph Cram. <laughs> What's really cool is that his parents named him Ralph. Yeah. For Ralph Waldo Emerson. Oh. And Adams for John Adams. Oh. I know. I loved that. And he was from Hampton Falls, New Hampshire. Wow. Yep. Um, and he designed tons of churches, Carrie. I think we should go on a Ralph Adams Cram church tour. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> so he described, he designed the Phillips Church at Phillips as Exeter Academy in New Hampshire. Okay. He designed the chapel at the Choate School in Connecticut, where John F. Kennedy went. Okay. He designed the All Saints Church in, in Boston's Dorchester neighborhood. Uh-huh. So right here, we could yeah. go and see him. What he did was he used local workmen mm. and local materials. Okay. So everyone is kind of different, and it's based on where they are. It's this gothic kind of style. It's mm. kind of different. It's not your typical like New England steeple church at all. Wow. It's very different. So I think we could do a Ralph Adams Cram church tour. <laughs> They're not far. I know. And we could see them all. That'd be super fun. So this church is famous in Baltimore for its architecture. Mm-hmm. It's famous for its... Stained glass collection. Yes. And there's one more thing that it's famous for. It's famous for... Are you ready? It's, it's pipe, pipe organ. organ. <laughs> yeah. Now, people might not care about a pipe organ, but it was it was really a beautiful organ. It's yeah. still there. It was also restored in the renovation. And the thing is, is that this man named Skinner started his own organ company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he it was called like the organ reform movement. He, he attempted to universalize the way organs were made. So, 
you know, the keyboard, the, the distance between the keyboards, the distance between the pedals were going to always be a certain way. He also um, created different pistons and different actions, um, and, and he created different stops that were never even used before. Mm. So every organ that was built after Ernest Skinner, who owned the Skinner Organ Company, you know, followed those guidelines that he created. He, his organs were in Carnegie Hall and Princeton wow. University and Yale University. He had these awesome organs. Mm -hmm. So, but the depression hit his company hard. Oh. They ended up merging with another organ company. Mm -hmm. They didn't get along and they removed Skinner from the board of directors. And so he was kick basically kicked out of his own company. So he tried to go out on his own. And what did he do? He purchased interest. This is a fun fact. He purchased interest in the Methuen Organ Company. Oh. And for those of you who don't know, Methuen is our hometown. Yes, and we have the Methuen Memorial yep. Music Hall, which houses the great organ. And guess what? What? He purchased the property and the adjacent organ factory right in Methuen. That was the Methuen Memorial Music Hall that were both built by Edward Francis Searles. Wow. Isn't that funny? So this church in Baltimore that really has nothing to do with us, this Presbyterian yeah. church, was had the architecture designed by someone from New England right. and the and the organ by right. someone who was working in our own hometown. We did grow up in Methuen. Right. But that organ hall, yes. both Kelly and I were married there. Right. It's yeah. a it's a building that's very important to us. Yeah. I mean, our piano recitals were there yeah. when we were younger. We would yeah. sing on that stage. So yeah. we'll show some pictures because right. it's really beautiful. Right. And, I mean, we've been there a million times in our life, but we can include that on our church tour. Actually, our promotional photographs that we took for Him Talk, Twin Talk were taken oh my gosh, right, right outside the that's organ right. hall. We were there that that's day. That's that brick building that you see in some of the pictures. Some we'll the have pictures. to show. We'll have to yeah. post some more. Yeah, we were at the front door, remember? Front door. <laughs> Hugging. <laughs> and that tree was like in the backyard. That tree was in the backyard. <laughs> oh. Yeah, so we love that. I just I thought it was so interesting. I mean, that's how amazing. often do you look up a church and find you know all of these connections? Right. Right. Yeah. Is anyone listening here going, I didn't think a story about organs would be all that interesting? <laughs> well... It's a really special story, especially for those of us who know the building in Methuen. Yeah. So oh. now, Mothby was serving as minister of this church with right. the organ, with the stained glass, with the architecture. I mean, it's a great in, church. In Baltimore. Yeah. So I found this amazing book. Okay. It's called Footsteps in a Parish, mm. An Appreciation of Malby Davenport Babcock as a Pastor. A whole book on a him. A whole book. It was published in 1908. I found it on Amazon by John Timothy Stone. I actually found a downloadable you know, way okay. to read it, so I, I read it on my computer, but I actually feel like I would love to just buy the book. Mm -hmm. But it's by John Timothy Stone, who was Babcock's successor in Brown Memorial Church in Baltimore. Oh. So the quote on the front cover of the book is, Others have labored, and ye are entered into their labor. So Pastor Stone must have felt like he was just continuing his right, work, continuing right. his work. He was he he was immediately following Babcock. Wow. He wrote the dedication to the loyal people of Brown Memorial Church Aww. whose love and faithfulness have caused those who have ministered to them to rise up and call them blessed. Hmm. He was the pastor at the church for 13 years. Now I spent a lot of time reading his book. I can't read the whole thing to you, but I just want to convey how much he did in this time. I mean, 13 years isn't that long of a time. And he did all of this great stuff. Right. 
I mean, right? I mean, you have pastors who right. pastor for decades, right. and they can write a book about him. Right. They wrote a book after 13 years. Yes. Now, John Timothy Stone, the new pastor, he was there for after nine years he published this book. Wow. So he just saw and heard these stories, Aww. and he said his footprints are unmistakable. All who knew him as a pastor have cherished those memories. He was an ideal pastorate. That's Aww. a quote. Ideal. He said that he wanted to write this book out of deep personal regard, but also out of a sense of duty. He said new faces were coming to the church wow. and countless children were growing up in the church and they would never know him. So right. he wanted to write this book for them. Wow. Now the book is filled filled with a lot of anecdotes, people interviews that he gave yeah. people, for people who knew and talked to um, Babcock. But one of the quotes that I wanted to share with you was somebody who was in the book. And he said, I have heard from some of the most noted revival preachers and evangelists of this century, but I have never heard the real gospel of Jesus pressed home more tenderly, logically, and powerfully than that morning on Fifth Avenue. Wow, when he was attending church mm -hmm, with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so writing the poem, This Is My Father's World, mm -hmm. is not the best thing this man ever did. I mm -hmm. mean, he pastored a church. He ministered to so many different kinds of people. There's also a biography about him that was written in 1910, mm -hmm. so again, after his death. And he said that he was a brilliant speaker with a marvelous personal magnetism which appealed wow. to all classes of people and the influence of which became, in a sense, national. Wow. I mean, I, I, I wish there were videotapes. I wish I we could see how good he was as a speaker. Now, the funny thing I read is that after his sermons, mm -hmm. he would actually talk to the children of, who were listening mm -hmm. and ask them what they remembered. Oh, that's such and a great he would, idea. He would, he, he would get these really funny responses. Right. You know, someone said, I learned that I shouldn't hit anyone younger than me. <laughs> so, like, these kids would say the funniest things. I mean, things. we could ask the adults what they remembered I, from the sermon. I think it's awesome. <laughs> I wonder what people would say. Now, he always used the word grow. 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 Okay. And that was an acronym. Ooh, that's a fun fact, Carrie. So GROW stands for Go Right On Working. Wow. This man worked. Yeah. I don't know. I read a figure like whereas some pastors would make four to five calls a day, mm -hmm. um, you know, visiting and, and with the people in the, in the parish, he would do like triple that. Really? In a day. Go Right On Working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So unfortunately, he was called to another church. He was called to a church in New York called mm -hmm. the Brick Church. Yes. And there was a, a battle over this. I, right. found, I found an article in the New York Times that talked about this battle between the congregation in Maryland who petitioned to get him to stay. Wow. And the church in New York, which was right in Manhattan, that wanted him there. And the New York Times article said that it was a battle between the two congregations, wow. but it was a friendly battle. Right, of course. <laughs> but think about the guy who wrote the book, John yes. Timothy Stone. Yes. He is following in his footsteps. He's fully knowing that the congregation <laughs> wants the old pastor back. Right. Yeah. The congregation doesn't want him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's hard when a pastor, when a much loved pastor leaves. Absolutely, and we we experienced, experienced that. that. Hello, twin <laughs> talk. 
We experienced that um, in our ch- in our home church. Right. Yeah, we, our pastor retired, our lead pastor retired after over 35 years yeah. of working in our church. And it was hard. It was hard for a lot of people. Yeah, it was hard to say goodbye. Right, but we had a long extended goodbye full of parties <laughs> and fellowship hall and fellowship dinners and yeah. potluck dinners. It was we so fun. basically celebrated like for a year. Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's not easy. And when I, I give the author a lot of credit because right. he didn't have hard feelings, he didn't nope. feel bad. Nope. Yeah. So uh, obviously, the people in Brown loved him, mm-hmm. and and they didn't want him to leave. Mm-hmm. The church was growing, as we read in the book about him. But the church was growing so much that they built another building for like their Sunday school. Mm-hmm. It was it, it it was a little further away, and they had this building that they bought. And then it ended up becoming its own church. It grew, it grew, it grew. And guess what? After he died, they named that second church the Babcock Presbyterian Church. Aww. So that's another one for our, yeah. him, our, for church, our church tour. tour. Yeah. Especially if they say his name. Wow. Yeah. So he goes to this brick church in right. New York. So this chapel was erected in 1893, and they had 34 members of the congregation. Wow. Right. Okay, small. I know, very small. But after 1901, they renamed the church Babcock Memorial Presbyterian Church, and the church matured, and the congregation grew, and they ended up moving to a new location. Mm-hmm. And so that church still stands today. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the Brick Church in yep. New York, yep. so and he leaves Brown. He yep. leaves the, a second building that was, de- that was already built, and he goes to—and no one wants him to leave. But he goes anyway. Yeah, he has to. So there is a memorial for him there. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd just love to read it because it just goes with everything that we've been saying about him. Mm -hmm. This is what's inscribed at the memorial at Brick Church in New York. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoining in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. He preached the word with gladness comforted the sorrowful with tender mercy and brought a blessing in the name of Christ Mm. to the hearts of his people who remember him ever with grateful love. That's nice. I mean, these people loved him. Okay, so here's the thing. He wasn't even there for that long. I mean, this is where the story gets a little sad. Yeah. He resigned from Brown on January 17th, 1900. Mm -hmm. And he died suddenly on May 18th, 1901. Right. So it was just over a year, and it sounds like he had been struggling. Right. Um, and they, he ended up taking a trip to the Holy Land. Yeah. And we're not sure if this trip was, you know, for rest and respite. Yes. You know, or if he was just a tourist. Right. But it does seem like he was, you know, left the church for a little bit to, to have some time to, to heal. So we have no record of his thoughts on the trip when he, because when he left Palestine, the travelers ended up in Naples, Italy, uh-huh. you know, assuming that they were on their way back. Right. And a bunch of them became ill with what is known as Mediterranean fever. Oh, wow. I know. Now, it's, I just read it was a bacterial infection. What's right. that? So it is now known, this Mediterranean fever is now known as brucellosis. What's that? Brucellosis. What's that? Brucellosis. Yeah. It's a bacterial infection that induces muscle pain, fevers, and most notably, depression. Oh. 
Now we're not sure how we how these travelers got it. Um, it, it usually passes from from animals to humans. Okay. So it could have been from some undercooked meat. It right. could have been some from some raw dairy. Um, or it could have been touching, like if he touched. It's usually farm animals like sheep or goat or cows. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he touched one. Um, now the problem is, is that it seems that Maltby struggled with mental health and depression his whole life. Right. Now, of course, we don't have a ton of information because this isn't something that would have been publicized back then. Right. All we heard about how was about yeah. how great he was, about how, how how amazing and energetic and enthusiastic and right. magnetic, and how he worked tirelessly. Yes. yes. But this man was struggling inside. Definitely. We don't know how bad or how often. Right. Um, but in one of the things I read, it said that he was hospitalized oh. for nervous prostration. Right. Which is a was a medical term back then, which now means a nervous breakdown. And when I go back to the original stanza that I read as my mm -hmm. favorite, I mean, he asks, should my heart be ever right. sad? Let the earth be glad. I mean, it definitely There's sounds like he was struggling and trying to kind of figure it out on his own. Mm -hmm. Had it been happening today in, you know, 2020, Absolutely. there would have been so much help for him. Yeah. So he had this great career, but we also know that him and his wife, Catherine, had two babies that and both of them died in infancy, oh. so that could have been something right. that was really hard on him. Right. Um, it's amazing that with all of his own like personal internal struggles and grief and sadness, that he continued his work for mm -hmm. the Lord. He did tirelessly. He did. So what ended up happening is he was in a lot of pain in Italy. I mean, this this infection, this brucellosis, is very painful, oh. and he ended up injecting himself with mercuric chloride. And it is believed Whoa. that he killed himself. It is believed that in that moment, um, with the depression, the, the brucellosis like exacerbated the depression. I mean, he was in a very low um, point. And this mercuric chloride was used to poison yourself to, right. to die. I mean, that was you know what people did. And so he ended his life on that day and all we can think of is, wow, like what a life he had in those short 42 years. 42 years. How God used him, mm -hmm. even with his pain and whatever struggle he was right. going through, which, you know, we don't know that much about. Right. Um, but he did so much. So we know that he has this huge legacy. His, he has a church named after him, mm -hmm. Babcock Memorial mm -hmm. Presbyterian Church. He has lots of poems and lots of things that he wrote. In that book I read... It said his pen was his servant as a pastor as mm. much as his feet. Aww. He was a he was a writer. He would write personal notes to people. There's a story that a drawer in his desk mm -hmm. would be filled with personal notes. And every Sunday, the sexton at the church would go to the drawer, get all the notes. They were inscribed on the envelope to who they were supposed to go to. Sometimes it even said what pew number the person sits wow. in. Wow. The sexton would give them to the ushers, and the ushers would quietly place the notes in the church members' hands as they were walking in or out of the building. Wow. He would write these notes, and people kept them. I mean, there's pictures, there's photocopies, photographs of these Aww. notes handwritten by him. Mm -hmm. So he died in 1901. His wife ended up publishing mm -hmm. his a, a lot of his poems, mm -hmm. including This Is My Father's World, that he had never heard as a hymn. Mm -hmm. Never in his life had he heard as a right. hymn. And, of course, the hymn writer who created the music was mm -hmm. his friend. Right. A man by the name of Franklin Shepard. Yeah. 
So Shepard wanted to honor his friend. Right. He put his poem to music. So his name is Franklin L. Shepard, and he did not want to call attention to himself, so he signed his initials, rearranged them as SFL. His name is Franklin L. Shepard, so his initials would have been FLS, but he did not want that. He wanted to keep himself kind of anonymous. Mm -hmm. So this was Franklin Shepard's biggest accomplishment, was arranging this tune for him. And it's a beautiful tune. It was published in a children's hymnal, which a Presbyterian children's hymnal, but I I don't know why it wouldn't be in a regular hymnal. I don't even really see it as a children's song. Yeah. But Franklin Shepard's music, it's so pretty, and I wanted to go back to our <laughs> oh, right. movie segment. Okay. So is This Is My Father's World in a movie? Well, an instrumental version is fittingly used in the Ken Burns documentary film, The National Parks. Okay. Oh. Perfect. Yeah. But what's, what's really cool to me is... The way the music is used in the Lord of the Rings film trilogy. Okay. Now, Howard Shore, who wrote the music for the Lord of the Rings movies, he quoted the first seven notes of the hymn verbatim in the the theme that is used for the Shire. Now, the dignity of the Shire. I can hear that. I know. The dignity may be in part due to this, these seven notes. Right. So the seven notes are... Do, 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 do. Oh, that sounds so familiar to me. Does Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I feel it's like that's really in the pretty. Yeah. yeah, it's really pretty. In one of the hymnals I have, it had this recommendation for this hymn. Mm-hmm. It said, a lively melody with an extended range. The tune requires a light <laughs> manner of performance as well as light accompaniment. Um, try using guitars or recorders. Oh, recorder. <laughs> I'm thinking that you should play on a recorder for church someday, to. Carrie. I would love yeah. to. Harmony singing is fine, fine as long as the voices stay light and energetic. Organists should choose light and bright foundation stops. Easily learned by children, says mm. this hymnal. I mean, easily learned? So I actually think the first two lines are really simple. Right. The third line does, it just, there's kind of a jump up. Mm -hmm. It gets a little high. Well, it described it earlier as one with an extended range. Yeah. That's kind of a musical nerd moment right there, right, Carrie? M&M's, always fun. (laughs) I mean, a hymn with an extended range, that's one of the hymns that I don't pick for our church. No one wants to sing a hymn that goes super high and super low and no one can sing it. They're constantly switching octaves. And a lot of times when we're talking about the child's voice, we're talking about a range of like five, six notes for a young child. Right. I mean, so why would you put a song with an extended range specifically in a children's hymnal? Right. So if you're ever singing in church and you're trying to sing along to the congregational hymn, if it ever sounds high or if it ever sounds low and you can't hit those notes, I really don't like picking songs like that. I want to pick songs that are easily singable right. so that anyone can sing along. But if you're at our church and you're singing a song that sounds like it might not be like that, that it's a little tricky, it's probably because there's something in the words right. that I love so much that I want them to be sung. Right. So even though they're not totally easy, listen to the words because mm-hmm. that's something. And just sing it whatever way you feel comfortable. It doesn't have to sound exactly. Sing your best. It says, easily learned by children, a vivacious hymn, Carrie. Mm -hmm. 
So Carrie and I were talking about tempo a few I minutes know, ago. I feel like I wanted to go slow. No, it says a vivacious hymn that would be hampered by plodding or weightiness. And it says to observe a retardando only on the last line of stanza three. Wow, I would almost have a retardando every, every time. Every time. Musical nerd moment. Always fun. <laughs> Do you all know what retardando means? It's an Italian word that's used in music for to slow down. Right. Yeah. So when you hear just the tempo stays the same, but then it slowly, gradually slows down. That's At the end, usually. Yeah. And yeah. they they might even put the uh, abbreviation R-I-T, mm -hmm. period. And that's telling you, slow down. So harmonically, it's very standard, don't you think? A lot of yes. regular chords that you see in lots of songs, one, four, fives, mm -hmm. maybe a minor sixth. But... Well, one chord that we see here that I would just love to mention, at the beginning of the second and the fourth lines, mm -hmm. I'm just going to play it right here. That is a really interesting chord, not something that we would see that often. Listen right. again. It is a five chord. Which, of course, is really common. Super common. We would call it a five, seven. But then there's this added ninth, five, seven, nine. When you add a ninth to a chord, it makes it a little bit jazzier, mm -hmm. but but also like really sweet. It has a very, um, it feels almost heartfelt. Yeah. You know? And what's interesting is that ninth that is so unexpected mm -hmm. is the note in the melody that the right. singers sing. Right. So it's not just a note that's like buried in the piano part. It's not buried. He, he wanted you to hear it. So the question is, did that five, seven right. added ninth chord appear in the original English tune or is this something that Franklin Shepard arranged? You know, we don't know. We don't know for sure, but I feel like Shepard had to get, yeah. bring it himself. Mm -hmm. I feel like that wouldn't have been there, mm -hmm. but it's a great chord. M &Ms, always <laughs> fun. And if you're into music theory, go to a piano, find a five seven, make you know, create your own five seven nine. I think you'll really like it. Yeah. All right, we talked a lot, Carrie, today about all sorts of stuff. We have kind of a special surprise for everyone. All right, we have a special performance of This Is My Father's World. Kelly and I love sharing the music with you, but this week we have someone different. His name is Mark Rooney. We're going to share his video on Facebook, but we have his performance here of This Is My Father's World, and we can't wait to share it with you. So here is Mark Rooney. This is my father's world. This is my father's world, and to my listening ears, of
Thank you, Mark. Again, he's Mark Rooney from Kilkeel, Ireland, and we'll have his information on our Facebook page. Thank you for sharing your talents with us. This truly is a ministry. We want the music and the hymn to be a blessing to you. We want it to bring you comfort and peace in times of trouble. And whatever you're going through in your life, whether it's the state of our country and our world, or if it's something personal that you're going through, may this hymn be a comfort to you as we are sure it was a comfort to Maltby Davenport Babcock. He struggled in his life, and I imagine these words brought him comfort right. in some of his dark days, right. and we pray that it will be comforting to you as well. Right. So before we say goodbye for the week, mm -hmm. we just wanted to read a scripture verse from the book of Isaiah, and we hope this will be an encouragement to you all today. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Mm. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Have a great week, everybody. And a special thank you to Mark Rooney for his beautiful performance of This Is My Father's World. We'll see you next week here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Keep singing. Bye.